you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America. Welcome to the 33rd ever show of All Around Sports, live from Boston. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. Well, as always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news, as well as play an interview I conducted with fan feeder founder and CEO Ty Ahmad Taylor, in addition to welcoming our weekly call in guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And lastly, reviewing my event of the week that I attended. Well, my highlight of the week is the return of the NBA on Christmas Day. They just announced the schedule within the past hour, so it's really going to happen. And uh, finally, ending, uh, bringing an end to this year of the lockout in both basketball and the NFL. And frankly, if I never hear the word lockout again, it will be too soon. My low light of the week is the unraveling last night of the Philadelphia Eagles on national TV, NFL Network, extinguishing once and for all any flickering postseason hopes they may have had. The dream team has become a nightmare, and Vince Young, the man who saddled this group, and notice I don't use the word team, uh, who saddled this group with that ill-advised term, dream team, through four picks last night to, uh, to put the lights out once and for all. You could have stuck a fork in them on Thanksgiving weekend after the Patriots beat down, but now they have officially quit, as was evident to all last night. My bizarre sports story of the week is the firing of Syracuse basketball assistant coach Bernie Fine and the continuous daily updates of the investigation out at Syracuse. And this debacle, combined with the Penn State scandal, still receiving non-stop coverage, has altered the college sports landscape dramatically, and I believe it's still only the tip of the iceberg for both of these schools. And I also believe that potentially similar stories uh, at other institutions will soon be surfacing. So uh, strap in. I got the feeling that uh, this is going to become part of... uh, part of the sports lexicon, which is uh, scary, to say the least. And interestingly, next week I am covering the Sports Business Journal IMG Intercollegiate Athletics Symposium in New York City. So I cannot wait to go down there and hear the fallout of all the Penn State-Syracuse scandal from literally the czars, the top people in all of college sports. Now, moving on to my event category, I covered the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off classic at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut recently, 
and it was highlighted by attending and covering the number one team in the land, Kentucky, playing Penn State. After that matchup, which was won by Kentucky, no surprise, I had the pleasure of attending Coach John Calipari's press conference, and everything I had heard about his charisma and big personality were true, as you can hear in his following answer to a question about what it would mean to him to win a national championship. That is, I would love to win national titles. I would love, but that's not my focus, that's not just my goal. Yeah, we'd love it. I'd love it for our fans, I'd love it for the university. What I said was, if none of my players were drafted, I'd be disappointed. That's exactly what I said. So whatever else you heard, you want to say you didn't care about, well, I want to win a national title in the worst way. But it's bigger than that for me because it's not an end-all. So go ahead, ask your question. And Calipari then was equally passionate when discussing uh, his well-known one-and-done strategy that he employs with the Wildcats. I don't like one-and-done, but you know what? If it were my son and he had a chance to go in one year to the NBA, I'd say go. The problem is we all look at it, if it's someone else's son, they should stay in school. But if it's your son, well, my son would go. Everybody else's son should stay in school four years and get that educated. Well, these kids are being educated. Except they may have an opportunity like a tennis player or a golfer. And they are going to go professional. So, I don't know how you guys got me started. Like, you want me to talk about the NCAA? I'll do that too. Just ask me a question. Well, as you can hear, Coach Cal is a piece of work. And, uh... Again, I certainly, uh, after sitting in this press conference, uh, literally a few feet away, could easily understand how when he walks into the homes of these high school recruits, uh, he just wows them and their family, uh, to put it mildly. And I must say, it was also really, really cool to get a taste of the institution that is Kentucky basketball. Uh, Wildcat Nation, not surprisingly, traveled very, very well to Connecticut and dominated the crowd by uh, proudly wearing their Kentucky blue and making their presence known big time. It elevated this tournament to uh, to really having, you know, a big time NCAA feel to it. Uh, and it was just terrific. It was the first one uh, held uh, at Mohegan Sun. And I anticipate it will become a, a staple around Thanksgiving weekend going forward. And, of course, it was also noteworthy that the, that the Cats played uh, Penn State, still deep in the throes of their child sex abuse scandal that has uh, rocked, as I said earlier, the world of college sports. And here is what Nittany Lions coach Patrick Chambers had to say about how his team has handled the worst scandal in sports history. Just, uh, we try to have a lot of meetings, try to stay together. Obviously, we're very sad by the situation for the families and the children. Um, but we just we met a lot, we stayed together, we're trying to get some normalcy back. Uh, we're doing the best we can by picking each other up and allowing the guys to ask questions. And um, I mean, that's all we can really do. Well, Patrick Chambers uh, went to Penn State from BU, Boston University, close to where I'm at. And uh, so I followed his career fairly closely and just really uh, very, very... Uh, intense guy, and uh, it was just interesting to listen to his passion around uh, 
the sport of basketball in general, taking the Penn State job. This is his rookie season, so it was really only his you know first fourth or fifth game ever. And uh, I like him. I like him a lot. And frankly, with what's now happening at Penn State, I think he is the perfect person for the job. As you just heard on the soundbite, he uh, you, you know he handled the questions gracefully along those lines, even though. Penn State basketball is not part of this situation, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think he knows what he's got ahead of him and the challenges he will now face with the Penn State brand in general being damaged. And, uh, but I think he's probably the right man for the job. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, but today we have an interview I conducted recently with Ty Ahmad Taylor, founder and CEO of Fan Feeder, and perfect timing because Fan Feeder just announced this week that it had launched its new platform for Facebook and Twitter users. So without further ado, let's listen to the interview with myself and Ty Ahmad Taylor. So Ty, tell me, uh, I've been perusing fan feeder and of course no joe gill and uh was curious uh how you got it started it's a it's a great site and curious how the idea germinated with you attract my hometown team like the san francisco 49ers the oakland days and the golden state warriors so i was looking for a service that solved a personal problem first which is the ability to give me the best news and information 
actually out-of-market sports fans. So really what we're doing is we're providing a single stop for them to go to get the best team news and information around the teams around which they are passionate. And Ty, when, uh, when did you found uh, Fan Feeder? What year? The company was founded in December of 2009. Sorry, 2008. So we're coming up on our three-year anniversary. Terrific! Congratulations. And what did you uh, what did you find uh, as your biggest challenges when you wanted to get the site underway? Uh, just market traction and, and making sure that what we were doing aligned with consumer expectations. And obviously, you have all types of content from various media providers, social media, that type of thing. What's it been like for you working with these uh, media organizations? Or have you worked closely with them, or do you just pick up the information? Uh, we just pick up the information. We have over 9,000 sources, so we're not vetting the sources beforehand except from an editorial perspective, but we don't engage in deals to point people towards their content. In many ways, if Google is a search vertical for the world's information, we're a search vertical for the world's sports information. Terrific. And you're worldwide. Uh, one thing that I found interesting was in addition to the four major U.S. sports, as well as, of course, college football and basketball, you have soccer. And I've covered a fair amount of soccer, uh, both on the international level and some MLS as well. I'm right up here. 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, so I got over to see the Revolution and saw Spain, uh, as well as Manchester United this summer. What's the uh, what's the soccer audience reception for you? It's been pretty fantastic. We're actually 30% of our traffic is non-U.S. based, and in particular, the people who are the most meticulous in terms of time spent are our Japanese users. They spend about four and a half minutes per session, uh, you know, in detailed analysis of their favorite fans. You also see blips in terms of support for places that were big in the British Empire, like Hong Kong and Singapore. Really? And you attribute that to soccer followings? Oh, and we know exactly that's what it is, yeah. They're following football teams, yeah. I mean, or, you know, soccer. Soccer, football, right, right, same thing. We'll use soccer just to keep it uh, simple for today. Um, so you have an interesting background. Uh, I've looked at your LinkedIn profile. I'm a member as well. And uh, right off the bat, I see that you were a New York Times reporter. I, I was a newspaper reporter full-time for nine years and still do freelance writing. Uh, how was that experience, and was that, did that play a major role in, in kind of what you're doing today? They seem pretty connected. Yeah, I've, I've been doing information design for the last 21 years, and the thing at the Times that we learned was basically um, creating and uh, uh, maintaining a, a high level of uh, uh, content is a way to attract a sort of a high income demographic and so we, we've tried to take a similar approach here within the realm of sports so how do we uh, provide things that advance the conversation and provide insight and more importantly how do we provide a smooth customer experience and so you know my foundational and then how do we present it in the clearest way possible so many of the foundational things that I did at the time sort of lend themselves to that and how have you found it working in the world of sports. Uh, I myself, you know, uh, have a sports background, you know, covered it on the side during my newspaper days and, you know, passionate fan. And then, uh, you know, 
somewhat like yourself back in uh, 05. I had a, my own company for six years doing public relations and then I started doing more and more sports and then more and more sports media. So how did that, uh, how have you found the world of sports, doing business in, in the world of sports? Well, I'm most passionate about sports and about music, so the opportunity to work in, in one of my passions has really uh, been fantastic. I've learned a lot more about European soccer than I would have expected at the beginning. Okay. So, but, you know, but now I'm a, you know, as they say, I'm a nutter, and so, you know, my Saturdays and Sundays when they aren't occupied with my children are sort of filled with uh, sports watching from 7 a.m. until, you know, in some cases 11 o'clock at night. Um, I probably need to get some other hobbies. <laughs> I know that feeling too, and I, I hear the same thing at home. And uh, yeah, when I'm not watching, I'm often taking my kids to their soccer games. So uh, I know how busy it can be. Um, tell me a little bit about your background and how you've tied it all together. Obviously, we talked just on the New York Times, but you know, Comcast, MTV. How has all that sort of has this all come together for you to uh, create what is now Fan Feeder? Uh, yeah, very much so. At, at MTV has spent a lot of time sort of imbuing that site with social features and, and streamlining the historically uh, uh, waterfall development processes from a software perspective. And so we, we adopted sort of an agile set of processes. And so moving to startup world does it served us in good stead in terms of uh, frequent iterations based on customer feedback. With respect to Comcast, I, you know, I got the sense of what it was like to work with a large established base, you know, in a large company and how to get things done in that kind of environment. And uh, I was able to sort of take uh, learnings from there and apply them to what we're doing here. And then working in the Valley for six years really helped me understand what it is to be an entrepreneur and what risk capital is about and how do you seize and find a market and then aggressively pursue it. And how has the uh, growth of Fan Feeder been during your uh, three years? Well, we started with nothing, and now we actually touch about 35 million consumers a month indirectly, and about half a million consumers directly through our social channels. That's amazing. And uh, are you seeing a lot of growth in the fantasy market? I would think that would just be right up the alley of all fantasy players. Uh, but, yeah, but primarily we're, we're finding the, the greatest growth uh, uh, amongst people who are fans of teams. I think if you look at traditional editorial publishers, they're writing the content that they find interesting, but it's not team-specific. So if you're a fan of the Red Sox, or if you're a fan of the Arizona Diamondbacks, or if you're a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, our goal really is a slightly um, orthogonal to what you're getting with your other sports outlets, and the goal really is to provide the best team news and information, and we think that that's an untapped market. Okay, and within those teams, uh, do you find uh, the focus seems to be more on traditional media as far as what your fans are reading, your subscribers, or do you see it, uh, you know, a lot more now on Twitter, if not even Facebook? Uh, where, where do you see the areas that your subscribers are most going to? Interestingly, we see the deepest engagement on Twitter. But in terms of the sources of the content that's coming out, we're finding that bloggers have equal standing with what we'd call traditional media. People are most interested in the trenchant, insightful analysis, and really, uh, insight can come from anywhere. Okay, and uh, now you're—I see where you have a lot of patents. I noticed that on uh, on your uh, LinkedIn profile and. 
Are a lot of these related to fan feeder, or are these ones you had gotten previously? Uh, sadly, they're all entirely owned by Comcast, but uh, you know, okay. I'm very thankful to that company, company for giving me the opportunity to create a lot of defensible uh, intellectual property while I was there. When you were at Comcast, did you work down in Philly? or? I lived in New York and commuted to Philly, and the only reason that I left Comcast is because I got married and had a child, and so the commute became untenable. That's a heck of a commute. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I'm well familiar with it. Two hours door-to-door -door each way. Did you take the train? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, wow. That's, uh, that's uh, dedication, to put it mildly. Um, I was at my desk at 8.30 a.m. every morning. Really? Wow, that's amazing. Um, so, let me ask you this. Do, uh, now, did you, your base now, is it Brooklyn, was Joe telling me? Yeah, we're in an area called Dumbo, which stands for Down Underneath Manhattan Bridge Overpass. Okay, hadn't heard that one before. Hmm. I get down in New York a lot, but I hadn't heard of Dumbo, so that's a, that's a good one to add to my repertoire. <laughs> Um, now, how many people do you have working at your headquarters? Sure, uh, including Joe, we're seven, and without Joe, we're six. Okay, and do you then have a, uh, a lot of employees off-site, or do you have other people beyond the seven that you just referenced? Okay. Now, what do you, where do you focus most of your efforts? Is it really, you know, mostly on engineering, software development, uh, you know, that type of thing? Or, you know, I, I know Joe, Joe's working on, like, some original content. Do you see is that as something you'll be doing more of in the future? Joe's doing the original content so that we can show that there's value in doing that. And so it's really the, the onus is on him to prove out that, that use case that what we do originally based upon our, our vision and insight and what people are paying attention to. What we're doing there, we have to understand if that works and makes sense. And so he's, he, Joe's an experiment of sorts. Hmm. Um, what we love about him is his, uh, his uh, marketing chops uh, and his, uh, his energy and his, uh, his output, frankly. Yes, yes. That doesn't surprise me at all. Those are all the things I like about Joe as well. <laughs> Interesting guy, to say the least. I've been to all the Palooza's. That's where we met, and uh, he does great with events, and he, he just uh, he has a terrific passion, to say the least. Now, one of the things that I noticed on your site that I liked a lot was the standing room only, and... Uh, you know, real time, you know, looking here at, you know, yesterday's games and the NFL, that type of thing. Has that been uh, well received? Yeah, and Joe's really blown that out since he's come here to great acclaim. And so we're really looking for that to be the launching pad for everything that we do with regards to our editorial coverage. And it's a Tumblr blog, and so it's a different type of blog than what you're normally used to seeing. And so we've been picking up traction through the usual social channels, but more importantly within the realm of Tumblr, which is one of the fastest growing blog networks in the world. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Now, where where uh, where did you grow up? Where were you uh, when you were younger? Sure. You from New York? Sure. I was, I'm a native San Franciscan, but I was raised in Berkeley, California. But I was sort of the Alex Keaton in my family. I was a little bit more right of center than the rest of my hippie family. Okay. I went to went to college down in Pennsylvania at Haverford down in Philly. I know Haverford. Yep. Yep. I grew up in Altoona. That's my hometown. Okay. Very good. But I had. Uh, 
My I uncle drove, was uh, I drove cross country when I came to join Comcast, and I drove through Alton and stayed there. So. Oh really? Nice. Really? Yeah, nice town. Oh. Because I took I took eighty across the entire United States. Yeah, that's that's San Francisco to the GW Bridge. Exactly. Oh, that's terrific. Well, uh, my uncle used to be the mayor of New Hope, Pennsylvania. Which is a lovely place as well. It really is up in Bucks County. Yes, I grew up. I I went there a lot growing up as a kid. Um. So. Ty, where do you see uh, Fan Feeder in five years? So we believe that we can be the third tab. The first tab is someone's email. The second tab is someone's social network. We're hoping to be the third tab aligned, aligned around their interests. And so interests are things that people are passionate about. In our case, it's sports. But we also think that we can do music and finance and, and uh, celebrities and movies and things of that sort as well. And being the one-stop shop for where to get the best news and information around the things that people are passionate about. Wow, so you have uh, tremendous growth plans well beyond sports. That's very exciting, to say the least. Exactly, uh, thank you. Yes, yes, and I, and I picked up some of that when I was looking at Standing Room Only, and uh, I could see it was going far beyond sports, and it sounds like uh, it'll be going even further than that. Uh, so now you have, uh, you're funded by private investors currently, and... So your business model is that uh, is it through advertising or it, it's advertising and sponsorships is pretty straightforward. Okay, all right. Well, this has been very enlightening. Uh, I've got a lot of good information here to put something together. And, and Ty, is there anything more you'd like to add or? No, uh, only only to say that uh, it's never been more exciting to work in the world of sports, and certainly there are all the traditional models. We don't threaten them. We're just a different. Uh, point of insertion and we're most concerned with what what's going on in the in the world of social and understanding how to leverage the wisdom of the crowds in terms of what people are paying attention to through a social lens is a way of gauging the most important sports stories of the day and we view that as being distinctly complementary as I said to what human editors are picking out and we also perceive it as being the, the wave of the future so that if you come and people are talking about a mini Pacquiao fight or the 49ers being eight and one we'll be able to tell you what the best news is in a given sport based upon what everybody else is saying rather than just human uh, human judgment. And uh, we're really excited about that and, and, and our opportunities to grow and expand in the future. Okay, and actually just one more question based on that. Uh, sure. What, what do you see as, you know, the next big thing, so to speak, that, that's out there? You know, we, first there's Facebook, and now there's Twitter. Yeah, well, there's a big, uh, been a big growth in tablet magazines on the iPad and, and Android devices. Yes. I think that someone has yet to do so in the sports world, and so our expectation that is that whoever nails that will have the next uh, uh, the sports pages for the next century. I like that. That's a good note to end on. <laughs> but well, thanks again for your time. I really sincerely appreciate it. Thank you, Ty. I really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, look forward to interacting again down the road. Same, same. Thank you again. You have a great day. You too, Ty. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Well, Voice America, there you have it, right from the top, Ty Ahmad Taylor, founder and CEO of Fan Feeder. And with that interview behind us, uh, time to take our break. And on the other side, we'll have Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet.
alternate flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eaton, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And joining us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And welcome, Barry. How are you? I'm terrific, John. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did. It was, it was it was very nice, and uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm hope, hope that you did the same. It's uh, always a nice day to spend with uh, with friends and family, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, all of our listeners uh, got to experience it the same way. So yeah, it was uh, it was nice, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of good sports news to catch up on for sure. Yeah, and one bad note from Thanksgiving was, of course, Endomican Sue, and I don't think he has a lot to give thanks for these days. Uh, <laughs> That was that. That made for quite a day, you know. Obviously, the incident itself, and then just you know the the day long fallout of watching football mixed with his uh, stomping on that guy's arm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 very strange because you know you you really you really want to like the guy. You really want to, you know. Obviously, he's a he's he's an excellent player, and you know, obviously, he has a lot of talent, and and you know. Uh, a big reason why the Lions are are doing as well as they're doing, but you know, there's there, there's there's just seems to be this uh, this uh, this chord in him that 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 seems uh, you know just just something that, that 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 just lets loose from time to time. And you know, is it something that's that anger management related? Could be. Is it something that you know maybe just it just needs more discipline? I don't know what the answer is. You know, maybe. Uh, Maybe a suspension will be what what he needs to just kind of get on track. I mean, it was kind of interesting that he he you know before this incident he had called uh, Roger Goodell's office to uh, you know apologize for you know for what he did and you know and then he he, he does it again. I mean, he was apologizing for the for the last incident, it's not the first time as we know. And uh, you know it's it, it's crazy. You know, so I I just hope for his sake that 
you know, he just kind of figures it out and, and gets it under control. I mean, he's a young guy and, you know, maybe doesn't have, have the discipline or, or the wherewithal to kind of, you know, the self-awareness perhaps. But, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the suspension will will make him a, be- a better guy and a, and a better player and, and avoid these types of things in the future. Let's all hope so. Well, I believe I said a couple of weeks ago on the show that it reminded me a lot of uh, Joe Green, mean Joe Green, when he first came in the league with the Steelers. And uh, sure enough, I was proven right because, uh, and this was before the incident, um, but just referencing more a conversation we were having about his visit with the commissioner. And sure enough, after Thanksgiving, Joe Green came out and said himself, that it reminded him a lot, and he used to do a lot of that stuff in his first year or two with the Steelers in a very similar situation as the, uh, you know, back there in 1969 and 70, uh, as the Lions are today, meaning they're an up-and-coming team, you know, been beaten down, to put it mildly, for years. Uh, you know, they draft, first-ever draft pick of Chuck Noll was Joe Green, and Sue, of course, was, you know, the marquee number one pick a couple years ago, and... You know, part of it is, you know, it's it's part of his being, obviously, but I know another part of it is, like like Joe Green, is that uh, he's trying to help lift his team, elevate his team, give, it, give his team attitude. I really believe that's a big part of it. That was a big part of what Joe Green did. And uh, obviously, once, you know, the Steelers told Green after a time, Chuck Knoll in particular, that he just wouldn't tolerate it. You can't keep him on the field. I think this is finally going to, you know, sink in with Sue. I hate to say it, but unfortunately it may have to sink in starting Monday night when they play the Saints in New Orleans and we saw this past Monday night against the Giants what that means. And I think, you know, if they lose to the Saints and potentially lose the second game that he's suspended for, there'll be no bigger lesson than that. I mean, it has to really come from his teammates and the organization simply not tolerating it. N- nothing Nothing will have a bigger impact on Sue than that. Not even, uh, you know, the commissioner fines. I mean, it's about suspensions. If he's not on the field, they lose these games. They miss the playoffs. Uh, I think he's going to remember that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, and it, it's all a matter of control. You know, I, I think especially in, in today's NFL where, you know, they're really aware of a, a lot of these these issues, you know, helmet-to-helmet hits and, cheap shots and late hits and all these things. And, and things like this are under the microscope now in today's NFL. It's just the way it is. And, you know, unfortunately for, for Sue, it's, that, that's the, the type of things that are being looked at. But, you know, the good news is, as far as he's concerned, you know, you, 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 you paralleled uh, mean Joe Green. Well, Joe Green is a Hall of Famer, and, and he won several Super Bowls, and he's look, look, looked upon now as a – as a hero of the game, and you know, there's still plenty of time for 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 not comes to 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 get to that point. I mean, he, we know he has the talent. He just has to, you know, just stay within that that focus and you know that control and be able to control his 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 actions out on the field. And and again, he's he's a young guy. He's got to learn. And and once he gets to that point, I I, I think there's a good chance for him to you know uh, uh, rehabilitate himself is, is the right word wordage to use, but. Um, you know, there's still plenty of time for him to straighten himself out, and, and Joe Green did it, and I think uh, Nana comes to Ken as well. And I think he will, too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just the irony of, uh, you know, him doing this horrible thing, 
a la Albert Hainsworth on, you know, Thanksgiving Day before a national audience, the traditional Detroit Lion game. It's, it's a day that, you know, trust me when I tell you, the NFL wants everybody to feel good about the Thanksgiving Day game, you know, family, the whole bit. Uh, you know, it's that kind of a day. And for this to be the lasting memory, uh, especially considering they were going up against the undefeated Packers, who put on, again, quite a show, is, uh, you know, it's not what the NFL wants, and it's not what the Detroit Lions want, and uh, it's not what his teammates or coach want. So uh, on that note, I think it's a perfect time to transition into uh, your thoughts on what I think is going to be the game of the year, and that's the Packers at the Giants this Sunday, 4:15. The Giants have lost two in a row following their, uh, you, you know, last-minute win against New England that I personally witnessed up here three weeks ago. Uh, the Giants are going to show up big time on Sunday, and I got the feeling uh, this is going to be the equivalent of the Patriots-Ravens famous Monday night game that the Patriots pulled out to continue their undefeated season. I got the feeling this is the, this is the game where we'll know. If the Packers win this one, I think they're going to go undefeated for the regular season and right, maybe right through the Super Bowl. So what do you think? You're, you're, you're down there. Uh, is the city excited? I guess that's question one for me. It's, it's, you know, this is a tough one. It could because, you know, as we've spoken about, you know, many times on the show, uh, you know, the Giants are a team that has played to the level of their competition all season long. I mean, you know, for the most part, uh, I think last week was probably the, the antithesis to, to the way the Giants have been playing. I mean, normally they'll, uh, you know, they'll barely squeak by teams they, that they figure to beat and teams that, uh, that are elite, they usually play very tight and often, and often win against. So, uh, you know, I mean, they just, the, the Saints just took it to them. I mean, it was, it was, it was close for, you know, maybe, uh, until, until the middle of the second quarter. After that, uh, the Saints just toyed with the Giants. And I think the Giants were embarrassed. And, uh, defensive coordinator Perry Fuel all but said that, uh, yesterday. He just said, hey, listen, you know, we're, we're, we're he was, he was sick. Uh, you know, he said it was the first time that he ever saw guys, uh, stop short. You know, in other words, you know, that the youth miss him for, for quit. You hate to quit. Hate to the word quit or gutless or anything like that when you're talking about uh, professional sports teams. That, 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 that's kind of a taboo. But, you know, the Giants really just did not play well. They did not perform, and they know they didn't. And, uh, you know, now they have a chance to, to redeem themselves, you know, uh, albeit against uh, the undefeated Packers. Uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and, and his friends certainly have the, the uh, similar uh, playmaking ability to, to Drew Brees and his friends and what they did to the Giants. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Giants are banged up. They got a little help back this week. I know Michael Bowley practiced this week. Ahmad Bradshaw practiced maybe to shore up that running game that's been so dreadful, uh, you know, with, uh, with Bradshaw being sidelined the past two weeks. I don't know. My feeling is that the, the Packers are, are going to find a way to win this game. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't have the faith that the Giants are going to, are going to, uh, stand up. I mean, hopefully for their sake, I, I hope they do, but, I don't know. I, I it, it, based on last week, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard to, to see see it go the other way. But you know, stranger things have happened in the NFL. As we all know, it's not it's not a momentum league. It's a week to week league. And you know, if the Giants go back to the script of you know playing well against contending teams, you know, it, it, it could be very different. And you know, they are playing at home, so they'll get a boost from that. 
and there's a lot on the line for them. You know, obviously, you know, they they still uh, they still have their destiny in their hands. I mean, they still have two games against against the Cowboys left for the for the NFC. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough tough spot for them. I mean, this is a very brutal part of their schedule that they're in right now. So, um, you know, I, I, I think I think it's going to be it's a, it's a tough spot for them. But, you know, would I, be, would I be shocked if they won? No, I wouldn't because it would be part and parcel to a following script of what they've done most of this season already. Well, all good observations, Barry. And needless to say, the Giants are desperate. Uh you know, to try to continue their run for the postseason. And you're right, even if they lose, they still have their destiny in their own hands because of the two games against the Cowboys. But, uh, again, I think it's going to be one of the games of the year. I think it's really appointment viewing. And uh, on that note, time for our break, and we'll catch you on the other side where Barry will be sticking around to talk a little more football and basketball. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. He'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, uh, before we leave football, we have to touch on the uh, topic that I opened the show with, and that is the demise collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles. The dream team is no more. It's over, and it's over in a really, really embarrassing and bad way after last night. Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's uh, the thing. It's the nightmare team in Philly right now. It's uh, you got it. Ma- pretty amazing considering you know wh- wh- what the perception was from the season start and, and what it's become. I mean, obviously some 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 key injuries. Obviously having Michael Vick out does not help. Uh, you know, Vince Young was really off his game last night. And but you know, listen, you know, if if, if you're gonna if you're gonna compete in this league, you know, you you can't you know you can't lose teams like the Seahawks. You just can't do it. I mean, although. If you look at what the Seahawks have done this season, I mean they they they've beaten Philly, they've beaten the Giants, and they they've had some 
some they've shown up for, for a few quality games themselves. So, you know, it just goes to show you that uh you know, again, like we kinda of touched on before, it's not a momentum league. It's a it's a it's a one it's a it's a, a week in, week out every you know, new script every week. But uh but yeah, I mean the Eagles, I mean I think it would be uh hands down, you know, the biggest disappointment in football. You know, maybe the Jets might be second, but I, I think that the Eagles have to be first on that list of the most disappointing teams in the NFL this season. I mean, so much, so much expected, so much predicted. Uh, you know, uh, lots of talk about them. You know, you know, being such a great team this year, and it's just been blown up in their face. And you know, will Andy Reid be a casualty? It's quite possible. It's quite possible that he's kind of, you know, uh, run, you know, run, run his course with this team. You know, uh, he's a very good coach, but you know, as we know, no coach lasts forever, and. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Andy Reid is not the coach next season. You know, they've, they've just got a lot of soul searching to do in that organization and just try to pick up the pieces. And it's uh, it's going to be tough. You know, when it, when 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 the expectations are so high and, and you ramp them so high, you know, when things don't work out, it's 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 very difficult. So uh, it'll be. I think it's going to be a very interesting off season. So, you know, here we are. You know, we're not even at the playoffs yet. We're talking about off seasons already. It's 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 really it's bizarre. You know, we really expected the Eagles to to be there. You know, uh, when all was said and done, but but it's not going to happen. So uh, you know, they're going to really have to figure out where to go from here. You know, once the off season comes for them. And how ironic that after 13 years, when they finally open up the checkbook, uh, like they never have before, and give Andy Reid, you know, apparently every you know, piece of talent that was out there, and, you know, that's going to be the thing that ultimately does Andy Reid in. So the irony to that uh, of that, to me, is just incredible. And uh, But moving on to the other uh, big news of the week, uh, among many, many big news stories these days, uh, the NBA lockout has ended, and that's the last time I'm going to use that word, hopefully forever. And more importantly, within the past hour or two, the NBA released its Christmas Day schedule to open their season. There's five games, and the first official game of them all is Celtics-Knicks, which should be great. And, uh, you know, marquee matchups, Heat Maverick that day, and... Uh, so, it's great to have basketball back. I know you used to work at the NBA, so I'm sure you must be thrilled as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, obviously I I, ha- I know a lot of people that, that work for the league, work for teams, uh, you know, obviously very happy for, you know, the people who, you know, really, uh, the, the people that, that get hurt the most in these situations are obviously, you know, the fans, number one, but also, you know, the people whose lives, depend on the NBA for their livelihoods, you know, the, the vendors, people who work at the arenas, people who work at, at restaurants and bars and businesses near the arena. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm most happy for those people because, you know, they'll be able to, to get their bills paid and they'll be able to have, to have their lives back. As for the league itself, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be, you know, instead of talking about, you know, labor and BRI and all this other nonsense that really nobody wants to hear about, we can actually talk about what's going on on the court pretty soon. So, you know, I, I think, I believe December 9th, is the day when they can officially start signing people. I mean, we're going to, I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw in the NFL as far as a kind of a, a free agent uh, feeding frenzy, as it were. Uh, you know, it'll be very, I think it should be very similar to what we saw uh, with the yeah. NFL. Um, you know, a lot of new faces, new places very quickly, uh, abbreviated training camps. Uh, hopefully we won't see uh, a lot of injuries as we did with the NFL, but uh, I would, I would have to think that it would be, 
be very similar situations. You know, I think these guys, from what I can see, you know, a lot of them try to keep in good shape. A lot of them, you know, play charity games. But, again, that's not the same as, you know, actually being in training camp and going through drills and, and all that. So, you know, that part remains to be seen. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be great that we can, uh, you know, once Christmas comes, we can actually uh, talk about what's going on the court instead of in the court, as it were. Well, I think the NBA would be thrilled if starting next Friday, December 9th, a week from today, uh, they entered a period of unfettered free agency a la the NFL. I mean, you and I both said, the, you know, here on this show when that was happening, and, you know, you can't help but think back to the Eagles being the lead dog in that process. Uh, but when that was happening, I think we talked about it literally being among the most exciting periods in the history of sports journalism and uh you know nonstop news what have you and it was just it was terrific and the nfl loved it and i'm guessing you know i hope it happens again with the nba uh and i think the nba would absolutely love it as well and uh you know just can't wait to see uh if that comes to be so you know, in the NBA, I mean, the thing about the NBA is, you know, obviously when they're big name free agents sign, you know, it's even more impactful than, uh, you know, than with an NFL team. For instance, you know, when I think of uh, Namdi Asamoah signing with the Eagles, that was probably the biggest free agent signing and most shock value at the time. But, you know, you contrast that with just for instance, you know, if, and it won't be a signing as much as a trade, but, you know, big talk about Rajon Rondo being traded for Chris Paul and me being up here in Boston, and you as well. Uh, can you imagine the excitement if Chris Paul comes to town? I mean, it would just be gigantic. Yeah, it would be for sure. And, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, Chris Paul is one of those guys that's been, that is, is, is already on the radar for next year. I mean, you know, in, in New York. Uh, there are all the talk in New York is already in the Knicks, you know, leaving, uh, leaving enough room in the, in the South in their, in their cap room to, to sign Chris Paul next season. You know, there were reports that said he wanted to be traded to the Knicks and those, have been, those were shot down by a number of people. But, um, you know, obviously he and Carmelo Anthony are very good friends and they spent a lot of time together during the negotiations and, uh, you know, they were photographed together at, at, at Rangers games and at, at the garden. So, you know, it, it, it's no secret that Paul would like to come to the Knicks, but, uh, you know, if, if, if there were a way for the Celtics to bring him there, I mean, he's, he certainly, he and Dwight Howard certainly look to be like, like the marquee guys that are going to be on, uh, you know, on, uh, on everybody's tongues and uh, on everybody's short list of guys that are going to be possibly moving around. So, you know, we'll see how that transpires. But, uh, you know, but until then, you know, uh, I, I think the focus will be about uh, who's on the court. And, you know, traditionally the NBA, it's a little tougher for, for guys to move around, you know, football, there's so many more players and you do have the salary cap, but you know, basketball is, is just not that many guys that are, that are impact guys are going to be, be available, you know, certainly for teams to sign to the veteran minimum and one year contracts and what have you. So, you know, the, the, there will be movement, you know, maybe not marquee guys, but you know, uh, we will probably have to wait for the next postseason for some of those marquee names to move, but you know, we have plenty of time before that. Uh, you know, probably the focus should be, you know, again, of what's going on uh, on the court. And uh, it's all going to start up soon enough. Well, it's going to be fun. You and I last spring attended a Celtics practice session uh, right up the road here in uh, Waltham, Massachusetts, where their practice facility is. And, uh, you know, they Danny Ainge and Doc Rivers held a little session yesterday. I don't think any of the players showed up. But, uh, you know, I, I 
would hope to get up there in the next week or two and uh you know experience what we uh what we had last year and uh you know just wonderful stuff so i mean the lockout affects everybody personally and you know needless to say that was the one thing i was missing was you know the opportunity to go to their practice facility and uh and so barry we're near the end of my show and i just want to make my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing and uh to me, it's the SEC championship game tomorrow to see if LSU can beat Georgia to remain undefeated or if they lose and create total, complete chaos in the BCS. I think that would be uh, rather fascinating to watch. And Also, I will be attending the Patriots-Colts game this Sunday. And uh, Never thought I would say this, but I'm going to be missing one P. Manning from what traditionally has been one of the NFL games of the year every year. But not so this Sunday uh, as the winless Colts come to town. And it'll be interesting. The weather's supposed to be nice. So it's, uh, it's worth a trek over to Gillette Stadium. And Barry, I just want to thank you, as always, for coming in, giving us your expert perspective. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it all again next week. That's great, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. And as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports Voice America. And have a great weekend. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.